The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. So have you ever gone through a season of apathy in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? A dullness towards the Word of God. A laziness to worship. Bored during worship. Coldness in your heart towards your brothers and sisters. It's common for Christians to fall in moments like these in their walk, from, with their walk with the Lord Jesus. There are seasons, there are times. It could be from unconfessed and unrepented sins. It could be from just the busyness of life. This feeling of apathy can come from even unanswered questions. No one's answering the questions that you have. And what, will we, and what we will see from our text today, it's simply that we forget. We simply forget. We forget the truths of the gospel. But we forget the reach of his great love. And we forget his worthiness. Well, the scripture that we have before us today is a psalm that aims into our innermost being and stirs our souls up once again to adore the Lord. It aims at our innermost being to stir our souls to adore the Lord. I mean, this psalm is packed with gospel truth. It reminds the reader of the salvation blessings of God. Uh, the reader sees God's dealing with him on an individual level and expands to the reaches of the whole universe. Before I knock this over, <sighs> this psalm is for believers. This is not shared with the world, it is only for those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, this unchanging truth of this psalm has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to help the people of God to see his great love for them. So this morning, we're going to see or consider three truths found in Psalm 103 that will help us adore the Lord. Number one, we will consider the inexhaustible, inexhaustible benefits of the gospel. Number two, we will consider the inexhaustible, steadfast love of God. And number three, we will consider his inexhaustible worthiness. The benefits of the gospel, the steadfast love of God, and his worthiness. David wrote this psalm, and he writes in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word bless, I'm translating it or defining it as the following. Humble adoration with gratitude and praise. Humble adoration with gratitude and praise. Humble, you know that God is above you. and You are underneath him. Adoration, deeply respect, deeply love. I asked my kids to uh, define gratitude. Well, it's a grateful attitude. It's gratitude. And praise. And praise. And David, 
is a man, and this is what's encouraging about this psalm. David is a man that's after God's own heart, the Bible tells us. And even he struggles with adoring the Lord. And even he has to remind himself and talk himself into blessing the Lord. That's helpful. David, he's blessing a singular person, the Lord. If you look in your Bibles, it's L-O-R-D, capital letters. We know that this is Yahweh. This is the one true God. That There is no other God except for him. He is the creator of the universe. And by that name, Yahweh, we get to have all these promises listed out before us. So David is aiming his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All that is within me. David can hide behind his kingship. He can hide behind his occupation. He can hide behind what the Bible calls him, a man after his own heart. But he knows. He's going after somebody else. He's going after the person that's behind locked doors. That's the person that he wants to bless the Lord. Not the person who shows up at church. Not the person who is next to family members or friends or who are accustomed to you. No, no, no. Strip everything away. The person behind locked doors, that's the one that needs to bless the Lord. His name is holy. That just means that there's no other God like him. He's unique. And it's as if his soul is kind of stuttering. So he repeats it again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And the soul can be like, well, how am I going to do that? How do, you, how do you want me to bless the Lord? He says, and forget none or not all of his benefits. Forget none of his benefits. These are received benefits. We don't forget something that hasn't happened yet, right? We only forget things that have already happened. So David is telling him, just remember what God did for you. Just remembering what he did for you will cause you to adore him. What are those things? What are the benefits? And here are the truths of the gospel. Number one, he pardons all your iniquity. He put it number one because that's the most important. In order for you to have a right relationship with God, you need to have your sins dealt with. You cannot have fellowship with a holy God if you have sins on your account. They must be paid for. They must be paid for. So we have the first step, pardons all your iniquities. Notice it's not some of our iniquities. It is all of our iniquities which means that the debt that we carry before God, that all the sins that we have made, God has dealt with it and has put it away. And he goes on and he says, who heals all your diseases. Now here I, I, I'm landing on that these are the diseases of the soul because he is talking to his soul. God doesn't heal Every disease we ask him to heal. We have seen him heal some diseases, and we praise him for that. And all those healings that were made are pointing to a day where there will be no more diseases. 
But the diseases here that he's talking about is the diseases that come from sin, the apathy, the laziness, the dullness, the fear, the anxiety. When we start to think about the benefits we received in the gospel, that the Lord Jesus Christ pardoned all my sins, he heals all my diseases, it will start to stir in us as an attitude of gratitude and praise. He goes, it doesn't just stop there. God goes further, who redeems your life from the pit. The pit is a very scary place. Uh, it's, you're doomed to die. You are left. No one's going to help you. Nobody wants you. But he, he came and redeemed your life. He has bought your life back. Look what it says with me um, in Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are what? Mine. When you were not wanted by everything and everyone, he wanted you. And he redeemed your life from the pit. And it's not as if he just pulled you out of the pit, dusted you off, pardoned your iniquities, and kind of left you. Look at the next part. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Now, we know the, loving, the word of um, loving kindness in the Hebrew is chesed. It's a hard word to translate, but we've, we, we translate it as loyal love a committed love, a faithful love, a gracious love. He loves to love you. That's what God is characterized by. And so, and not only that, compassion has to do with a mother's love for their child. You're moved within your spirit. That's the word compassion. And so he says this, he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He makes his children princes and princes. You are carrying a special ornament on your head that not everyone in the universe can get. The maker of the universe has put on you his committed love and his compassion. And it's not as if he, he can't just stop there. I want you to see with me Psalm 130, verses 7 through 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. It's inexhaustible. You can't run it out. I know that right now we are looking at us, the individual. This is your sins that he's pardoned. 
This is your life he has redeemed. And each one of us has our own experience with that. Think of the time when you've, you've known that your sins have been paid for. Remember that time. Each one of us has a different backstory. It's not the same. A lot of us has different depths of sin. It's not the same. Yet each one of us can see that he has forgiven us of all our iniquities and sins. And so as he's moving us towards his, this relationship with this, it says in verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So if you're feeling lazy and you need renewed strength, what do you got to do? Remember the benefits of the gospel. These were only available through Jesus Christ. God has made these benefits available to any who would come and put their faith in the Lord Jesus. So that's just for us individually. Now we're going to see God's dealing and his love with all the brothers and sisters in Christ, his vast love towards all of his children. That's what we're going to see now, and it's going to be long. It's from verses 6 through 18. But now we're going to see his, how God deals with people, his people. It says in verse 6, The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. It's amazing. The Lord is not just a statue. The Lord is not just sitting in heaven enjoying a drink. He is not sitting and bored in heaven. He performs. He actually performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. I mean, imagine what, it, what we would feel if it said the Lord performs wicked deeds. But doesn't. Righteous deeds. Imagine, in judgments for all of the oppressors. No. Judgments for all who are oppressed. He acts on their behalf. He goes on, he says, he made his way, verse 7, he made his way known to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. God revealed himself. He wants to be known. You don't find God through philosophy. You'll find a God, but you won't find the true living God. He made himself known. So right here in David's mind, he's thinking of Exodus, when Exodus was oppressed in Egypt, and they cried out to God for their release. God acted. Remember the battle of God versus uh, Pharaoh. Which God is better? God released them from Egypt and took them. You know, David here is appealing to the Old Testament. He's looking back at his Old Testament scriptures for further confirmation, for further stirring in his heart to adore the Lord. And then in verse 8, we get this amazing verse. 
If you were to describe God, how would you describe him? Because this is how he describes himself. Verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. Wow. Uh, just let's read together verse uh, Exodus 34, 6 through 8. I'll read it. Exodus, yeah. The Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Have you ever heard that saying, oh, I don't like the Old Testament God. He's so wrathful. He's so destroying everyone. But the New Testament God, he's so nice and patient. David is writing about the Old Testament God. He writes, he is compassionate and gracious. Notice the word is, it's ongoing. As long as God is God, he is these things. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Yeah, we've seen God, you know, wipe away cities in the Old Testament. We've seen him crush cities. We've seen him send his own people to exile. Yeah, that happened. But that doesn't mean he wasn't patient and gave them lots of chances to repent. So we sell that too. He's slow to anger. He's not quick-tempered like we are. He's not reactionary like we are, where if you do one little bad thing, he gets you. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness. There's that word. Uh, You can't run it out. He's not only going to give you a little bit now and more later. He's abounding in it. He's going to give it away. That's his character. He says in verse 9, he will not always chide with us or strive with us. He will not keep his anger forever. God doesn't want to see his children with their head bowed down as they walk by him after being disciplined. Look at verse 10. And this would not make sense at all if it wasn't for the gospel. Verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. What's the wages of sin? Death. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Yeah, he hasn't. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5. Talking about the Messiah, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for what? Our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Wow. This can only make sense by the cross. Because if we have a judge and he doesn't judge accordingly, we would call him a bad judge. If he had a, let's say, a serial murder right in front of him and the judge goes, I love you, you're free to go. We would be like, that judge is corrupt more than the murderer. There's no justice in him. But here it's saying he has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. And say, Wait, why do we get special treatment? This is the gospel. Jesus Christ went to the cross and was punished on our behalf. Your list of sins that separated you from God was put on Christ. He was now separated and you were brought near. He took your place on the cross to pay for your sins. So now God can look at you and bless you with loving kindness and compassion. It's the only way it makes sense. Look what it says um, in verse 11. Now he's gonna go, now he's gonna use what's like infinite language. It's gonna be fun, okay? <laughs> Only God's gonna help us see these. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love on those who what? Have I said anything so far that scared you? Have I said anything so far that scared you? Fear him? What do you mean, David? Fear is not the idea of fear that we have or we're scared of an outcome of something. Fear here is reverence, but it's more than just reverence. It's a bending of my will under God's will. Fear shows itself in what I do. Those who, and then it goes on, and I'll say, um, just jump down with me and we'll go back up. Verse 18, it says, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. That's the group. But let's go back up. So great is his chesed towards those who fear him. As high as the heavens are above the earth. Have you seen those videos of like the zoom out where it starts off with like a person's eyeball and then it goes out and shows you the earth and it goes out, shows you our solar system and it goes out and shows you the galaxy. That's the idea. How great that is. That's how much love he has on you. And it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Imagine I had all your sins on this piece of paper. Okay? Bo, I'm going to use you. Okay. Bo's sins are here on this piece of paper. And he's holding it. And I would take it from him, and I would stand across, you know, this room and that room. Still near him, but it's away from him. But 
people can still kind of see their sins. Let's just zoom out a little bit and start at the end of the street of Heil, go all the way down to Mile Square Park, that same piece of paper. It's really hard to see it, if you can. Now, just let your mind go. As far as the east is from the west, what? He has removed our transgressions from us. Read with me verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's, an, it's inexhaustible. This is for every single person. You know, we have different levels of devotion to God, okay? Some people worship God like an A-plus student. Some people worship God like a D, F, and a failing student. We have different levels of reading times, studying times, prayer times, singing times. Different things happen in all of our hearts, and we offer to God different levels of blessing. But for each one of his children, they receive this kind of love from him. They receive this chesed love from him. Your transgressions are removed. The thing that was separating you is not separating you no more. Amazing. Now he's going to bring it to intimate. So he went far, as far as the east is from the west. Now he's going to bring it so close as a father who has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It is not just this abstract love that we're conjuring up. It's an intimate love. It's a close love that he has with those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, verse 14. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind passes over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. Stop right there. The pinnacle of your life is a flower in the field. The highest point that you were so committed to achieving in your life is but a flower in a field. One day, who you are is going to be gone. And not just gone, forgotten. Okay? That's where we're heading, <laughs> all of us. That's who we are. We were made from the dust, we're returning to the dust. So the greatest efforts, right? The, the greatest 
achievements we've ever made will be one day forgotten. Read verse 17, the first word. But. But. But the loving kindness, the chesed, the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Everlasting doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. If God started loving you some point in your history, that means it started, which means that this verse is not true. And if he stops loving you after you die, this verse is not true. God must keep you alive for all eternity as the object of his love in order for this verse to be true. From everlasting to everlasting. And this committed love, he doesn't slow down in loving you. He doesn't lessen how much love he gives you. He doesn't give you more because you performed better or give you less because you didn't. No, he's committed to you. In fact, if you remember, David is struggling with, with blessing the Lord. So even in our forgetfulness, his love is still strong towards us. Even when we fall into the pit again and again and again, his love is strong. It's from everlasting to everlasting. It goes on. It's generational. His righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Every single one of God's children gets the everlasting chesed of God. Every single one of us in this room has the same amount of love from God on us, although we give God different variations. He still loves us fully. Wow! What else is like this God in the universe? Where else are you going to get this kind of love? You're not going to get it. You just won't. In fact, if you attach yourself to any other God, you're going to go away with that God like dust. So we saw the inexhaustible benefits of the gospel to each one of us who believe. And we saw his inexhaustible love. He's never going to run out. He's never going to run out. I mean, let's just stop for one second. Isn't that enough to get a thank you? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget none of his benefits. What's so incredible is that we have it all written down. That even if we forget, God still will remind us over and over and over and over again. He loves you. It will be good for us to take some time in the day and say thank you to God. I adore you for what you've done for me. 
you've brought me near when you should have left me in the pit to die. And it will show in how we live our life. We keep his covenants. We follow what he says. We are under his rule. Those who go about life without his rule and just do whatever they want, they're not under the love of God because God is not going to let them keep going in that direction. He will discipline us. As a father has compassion on his children, so much the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Okay, so David needs more voices to worship and to bless the Lord. It's not now not just him. It's not just those he's worshiping with. He's going to go across everything God has made, believer and non-believer. We ought to bless Yahweh simply because he's worthy of it. Simply because he's worthy of it. Look at verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over what? All. He created everything. He gets to rule it. Nothing in this life happens without his all-seeing eye and all-permission. Everything. And that's kind of hard to say because there are some hard times that come our way. But we can take solace in this. He's in control. And after everything that we saw in his great love, let him be in control. If I was in control, I'll mess it up for every one of y'all. He's in control. So he goes on. He brings the angels involved. (laughs) Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength to perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts who serve him doing his will. This is just amazing. He goes to the angels. There's a couple things we could see. Number one, they're his angels. They belong to the Lord. Number two, they're mighty in strength. Number three, they perform his word. Number four, they obey the voice of his word. I mean, these angels are on the service. They're they're ongoing. The minute that God opens his mouth to give a command, they're ready to go. And he's calling on them. Hey, bless Yahweh, you too. (laughs) You don't get a pass because you're an angel. Bless you all his hosts who serve him, doing his will. These are... Um, another picture of angels, but more of an army sense. Everybody get involved. Those who serve him, those who do his will. And then he says this, and I love this. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Kings at David's time, if they wanted to show off how much territory they conquered, they would set up images made in their likeness to say, My territory goes up to here. They put a little image that represents the king. That's to show his dominion. What was made in God's image? Us. 
Whether you're a believer or not, if you are made in his image, you are called to bless him. All works of his, so even if we want to go, everything, nature. You know, in Jonah, we translated Jonah. The fish obey Jonah. The ship obey Jonah. Pagans obey Jonah. I mean, not Jonah, sorry. Woo, start over. The ship <laughs> obeyed God. <laughs> sorry, wow. I was just thinking of how stubborn Jonah was. Um, <laughs> very stubborn. Uh, the fish obey Jonah. Sorry, yes, God. The fish obeyed? Okay. A plant obeyed God. Okay, a worm obeyed God. Pagans obeyed God. Everything in that book obeyed God. Except for Jonah. There, I got that one right. All his works. In all places of his dominion. Then he says... Where he started, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's going to start with us. How are we going to get the whole country to bless the Lord? We can't. About our neighborhood, we can't. Our church, we can't, unless it starts here. Look at this Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. This is Yahweh speaking, I, I am he, this is God, who blots out your transgressions. Why did he do that? For what? My own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Even though you forget to worship me, I will not remember your sins. Although we cannot perform well in serving our Lord, he still loves us. All we got to do is turn around and he's right there full of love. It hasn't lessened and it hasn't gained. It's perfect. And it lasts for all eternity. Well, let's pray to him now as we continue our worship with the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for your word. You have done so much for us. Lord, give us the, the motivation to say thank you more often. Lord, help us to realize who you are what you have done for us in order to love us. It's incredible, Lord. We thank you for your word spoken to us. I pray, Lord, that it would change our hearts and motivate us, Lord, to continue to love you and to do your will in reverence of who you are, the one seated above the heavens. We worship you, Lord. We will sing songs to you. We will take our communion. And it's in Jesus' name we do all these things. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.